0: friends. Welcome to another episode of the 10 laws podcast with East Forest. I'm Mr. Forest. And this week I have a conversation with Jeff Kober. Jeff's a very cool dude. He was introduced to me by Rada. And I mean, honestly, if I had to sum him up, I'd say he's an artist. Uh, but he he has many skills. He's a, a professional actor has been for a long time. You might have seen him out there. He's a meditation teacher, a photographer. He was a musician. I'm assuming he still is, once a musician, always a musician, and many other things. But we got in some really wonderful conversations about consciousness and meditation and art. He's just got a great energy, and I know that you're going to enjoy this conversation. Uh, today is November 1st, if you're listening to this in real time, and today's the first day, the beginning of the East Forest Ceremony Tour U.S. West in the United States, Um, Tonight we are in Boulder, Colorado. It is sold out. A few more dates are sold out, but all the stops continue through Salt Lake and Boise, Vancouver, Canada, Seattle, Portland, down the Nevada City, San Francisco, Santa Cruz, Los Angeles, over to Vegas, down to San Diego, over to Phoenix, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Austin, Texas to end on November 20th. So, check it out and really, really appreciate this is the, uh, it's happening now. So thank you for helping spread the word, doing some little postings. And of, of course, thank you so much to everyone who's purchased a ticket and for your support. I'm very excited to share this series with you. It's uh, it's really a dream come true. So thank you so much. And I also want to say thanks to our Patreon, patreon.com. Slash East Forest. That is a way to support this podcast and to support the project in general. Lots of little private exclusive goodies we do over there. That's patreon.com slash eastforest. And also journeyspace.com is a place where we offer online facilitation. Uh, we're going to be doing some more of those online journeys soon. Uh, we have many other things. Uh, what's it called? Like mechanisms of support from private journeys to a guidance music library of mine. It's a platform I co-founded, journeyspace.com. See if that is interesting to you and useful. The world is a wild place, and we all can use some repose and reflection and good conversation to keep ourselves uh, grounded and sane. And, you know, if I remember there was like a, this little YouTube video. It was like a minute, and it was the Dalai Lama, His Holiness. And it said something like, the meaning and purpose of life so why wouldn't you click on it right and he essentially is saying that the purpose of life is experience and that rings true for me because in all that shapes and forms that's what we're here to do and in order to do it with richness we stay here in the now we stay present we stay witnessing we stay loving we stay breathing less about our projections of the future and our thoughts or perhaps regrets of the past Uh, but we're here for that experience so I'm here for it with you, and we're here for it together. And with that, we're going to get into all all things experience and richness in life with our new friend Jeff Kober. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. It's good. It's good to finally be able to do this. I know. Actually, I think one of the first times we were going to talk, it was COVID on your side with like production or something. So it's just been. It was, yeah. yeah, the COVID dance that we've been doing together.
1: You, you, and me, and the rest of the world, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, like as if we're special.
0: Um, yes, everybody, man. It's it's really disrupted the music industry, as you can imagine. I'm assuming it's it was massively disruptive for uh, production of acting stuff and films and TV.
1: Well, it it changed it changed the face of it, you know, having to test regularly and, uh, yeah. Uh, be cleared to work. And then, uh, you know, having to like, uh, you know, I've been uh, off and on on this soap opera for, uh, for a couple of years and uh, my COVID job actually, Which um, one is that general hospital. Okay. I'll tell and, you my soap story when you're done. Okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, The first time we went back to work, you know, so to begin with it, you you don't really rehearse. It's sort of like doing live theater without rehearsal. And they have four cameras and you do it once and then you move on. It's just as horrifying for an actor, you know, (laughs) but and you get one rehearsal, you rehearse just before you shoot. And we had to do those with masks on. So you're like oh. talking through a mask and looking at someone and and just and then you and then the masks come off and then you're basically doing the scene for the first time, but they're they're taping it. It's <laughs> just so, weird.
0: Yeah. It's so weird. It's 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 it'd be weird to be in rehearsal with a mask. I
1: don't know. It well, yeah. And you know, because well, especially with acting, it's like you're you're already assuming certain things to make it feel as if you're in a real circumstance and, uh, and able somehow to incorporate slash ignore the fact that there are cameras chasing you around. Yeah. And then you add one more level of, <clears throat> and ignore this too. And your whole system goes like, no, that's too much too much. It's too much.
0: Well, and that's not something you're used to. It's like, why am I wearing, like, this strange artifice, like, we're doing the thing I've done, but I've got this mask on, it just, it just probably throw you a bit. And then you take it off. I don't know. It's just
1: strange. But it was, you know, it's, uh we are, as humans, we are infinitely adaptable. Because now it's just sure. like, oh, yeah, here we go. This is it. Yeah. This is what we're doing. Well, you were on a soap. What happened?
0: I, well... Little known fact: I used to be an actor. So I mean, my I went to college and was really into acting and music, but acting was sort of like took the lead. And I went to graduate school for acting, and then spent my twenties almost ten years doing that, doing that whole thing. Wow! So I I did a little work on soaps, yes. And but my my story is just sort of thinking about like. You know, you go into these auditions and you think about the parts that got away or the parts you got and how that changes your life Mm -hmm. or didn't. And there was was a part on, uh, I think it was As the World Turns was the New York show that I was going out for, I believe. And Uh I remember there was this part of this character called Laser that basically was just like a bad guy. But it was going to be like a... Yeah, I don't know what they call it, I forget now. Like, it, you know, it's a job. Like, you're there for like years, you know. So whatever. it was like a regular, like, yeah, it was like regular. a big part. And I got pretty close along the way. And I just remember, and this is a long time ago, early on in, in my career. And I just think, like, what if I had gotten that, you know? And then I was like, so, and I worked a couple days on stuff. So I, I know a tiny bit about what you're talking about, how, like, you know, you start early, it's a job. You know the crew's been there for thirty years, uh, the the lights are like dusty because they they haven't moved. You know they're just <laughs> lighting the same. So I remember the the room like the studio um on the Upper West Side was like, wow, this shit has just stayed put for a long time. They've just moved the sets around, but the lights are stuck in time.
1: It's uh, it, it's, it's 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 fascinating because. Uh, you go in there, and yeah, you can. If if you're, it would be easy to just fall in with the status quo. And like uh, Jeannie Francis is someone I was worked with quite a bit on the show, and she's been on it for forty years. You wow. know, she was Nick, what's she so was wild. the Laura of Luke and Laura, and you know, and and so she's had the same job and the same plot lines come come along and come and go and and but i i'm not smart enough or talented enough to know how to i I tried to act like i thought soap opera actors act i did it (laughs) i did it one day and just went oh i'll never do that again (laughs) um so then i just go in and i just do my thing and it's 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 fun because it just it it's it's like uh Everyone there is ready and willing to play as someone. As soon as someone says "let's play," and mm-hmm. they just oh okay, and so it, it 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 you know it it everyone comes to life when you come to life. So it was uh, mm-hmm. it, I had so much fun doing it, and I'm still doing it. I'm 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 working next week there.
0: Well, it is it is kind of hard though, like you're talking about in the sense that, like, I don't know, soap operas are kind of a trope in society, or like. I don't know, like, ha- but when you get there and you have to do the job, it's like it's like any other acting job. You have to act well. Like you're doing your best. You know, like, yeah. And like you said, there's less preparation and things are moving quickly. And if you're a day player or something, like everyone else, it's just they're very familiar. You're just trying to slot in and like who's who, what are we doing? With yeah, like it. That is that is pressure. You know, I mean, honestly, it's not that different on other TV shows. You don't have a lot of rehearsal and. And, you know, I mean, I had to play something on Law and & Order. And, like, I remember I was a bad guy. And I shaved my head at one point because I was losing my hair. So now I was just, like, the bad guy. You know, whatever. Right. Yeah. 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 That was that. Or a gay. I was gay or bad. <laughs> and <laughs> the gay parts were far more fun, believe me, oh, and man. rich. But the bad guy parts were stupid. And the script at the audition uh, it was a mentally challenged person who shoots these people, and that's the start of the, the, the show. And so I did that, the audition, and got the part, show up to work weeks later or whatever. We shoot the scene where I kill the people, and after I shoot it, I remember, like, the assistant director or something comes up to me. is like, oh, by the way... You're not mentally challenged anymore in the script. That's not oh, part. It. It's like My God. Oh, that's awkward. They didn't um, tell you that? No one's told they didn't care. You're know, like, we just need you to shoot these people so we can get, you know, film this, get the story going. And uh it just it just reminded me it was, it was like embarrassing in a sense. You're just trying to you're trying to like, you know, do your best. And it's like, Oh, I just need to like pull this trigger and uh play dead. And it was always such a strange experience, some of those I even I remember That job, I lost my voice. I got laryngitis, which is a—that's a nightmare. Which doesn't happen to me. I was like, I could not speak. And luckily, the only thing I had to do that week was come in and play dead on one of the things, like be a dead person in the morgue. Didn't have to speak. It worked perfectly.
1: Brilliant. (laughs) I love it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I'm sure. I don't know. I have some. I have some sympathy for. I'm sure you've been through many, many paces with acting over the years and had some I'll tell you, incredible
1: experiences and acting is the is the single most profound spiritual exercise i've ever been engaged in and it it, it you know keeps food on the table because you've got to be willing to you know be vulnerable be willing to look like an idiot yeah and You know, be willing to uh, own a point of view without knowing if anyone's going to approve of it or not. Yeah. All those things that You definitely
0: have to be open to embarrassing yourself and opening yourself up. Like, I haven't done this now in 10, 15 years, so I actually, like, haven't done that, really. Like, I I remember what that was like, where you're just always feeling that, like, wow, all right, I'm going to find this part of myself that man i don't want to go there i haven't been yeah. there I know that's a part of all of us but here we go and i sure and don't want it.
1: anyone else to see it yeah yeah then you Absolutely. have to do it
0: in front of other people yeah i mean it's embarrassing over and over again but how is it how do you find that to be a spiritual practice for you tell me more about that well
1: you know i, th- I think one of the uh real challenges of living a life based in spiritual principles is to uh, you know accept our humanity mm-hmm. and and then to live as if uh as if as if we're we're worthy of being alive and to treat each other as if others are worthy of being alive as well even if they're uh behaving like idiots even if they're they have Perspectives and opinions other than our own, even if they're behaving badly, you know to to recognize that it, 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 the different ways of being a human are not infinite, but they're they're many numbered and uh, uh, and the truth of us is infinity you know and oneness, uh, spirit. so to find the way of allowing myself to express fully without me judging it and without me looking at it through your eyes to judge it from there that's that's a spiritual practice mm. that's you know and it, all of us no one gets into acting unless they want attention and most of the people who want attention from acting can't stand having attention so you know <laughs> you're walking in there with these two things happening and you know if you're if you're an actor then you also have something that wants to express through you And, and so I just said all of those things in the impersonal, but when you're starting out, you don't have them in the impersonal, you have them in the personal. I can't, I don't want you to see me. Please see me. I have something to say. And the fact is, I don't have anything to say, but something has something to say through me, you know? So finding the way of allowing ourselves to, that one of my theories of, of, of life and spirituality is that it's, it's my job to 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 be a channel, rather than to think I know what what any situation needs, to engage deeply within myself and then be willing to let it come out the way it wants to come out. And good acting is the same thing. Mm-hmm. So life acting, there, there's precious little difference, other than you know, like uh, acting is just real life, uh, but. Usually, a heightened circumstance. Very few of us have that many heightened circumstances right, in our actual exactly, lives. Yeah. Like, you get an opportunity as an actor to
0: actually f- play around with embodying all these colors of humanity that for a lot of us, we either never get to or rarely do, certainly. And you're just kind of getting to embody it and play, pretend, and explore and see what that feels like in your body. And it's a wild experience. Yeah. And maybe in some ways it really does give you more compassion for like you said humanity, like what we all this weird thing we all have to go through, these identities we get lost in. And when you're an actor, you're constantly finding those edges and just like, I wonder what it, what's a ma- what is your imagination? What would it feel like to be full of rage? What yeah. would it feel like to be a fool?
1: You know, whatever it is. Well, those are those are those are two that I've definitely uh, encountered and embodied and uh, excelled at: uh, rage and foolishness. So, I was just bad guys and uh, homosexual.
0: Pretty much was my excelling, but uh, <laughs> I excelled. Uh, well, so tell me a bit about like has that been a through line for you for work or where and how did the, the mindfulness and the spirituality? become a big part of uh, who you are?
1: You know, I started looking for spiritual solutions to what was ailing me way back in my uh, uh, early 20s, I think, um, because I was, I was troubled. I was in a really dark, dark, dark place for a long time. And uh, so I was looking for spiritual solutions, but they were not readily apparent to me at the time. And there was mm-hmm. you know, we, we look at what's available now in terms of uh you know variously called self-help, uh uh spiritual uh communities. Um Wisdom being uh, presented on the internet or in books, or you know, the capacity to the ease with which you can travel to India and, and talk to people who are you know spiritual masters, and that wasn't available. And and I was looking and looking and looking. So I was trying to meditate for a long time, um, and trying to find a connection to source. I guess you would call it. Um, and you know, back this was like forty years ago. I was uh, I, w- I took a, a class in science of mind. Uh, you know, learning how to do uh, science of mind kind of prayer, where you're uh, where you're you're not demanding that the universe give you things, but you're you're mm-hmm. uh, manifesting. You're saying this is the way things are, and mm. um, you know, like that. And just you know, and studying the I Ching and. Uh, you know i uh, learning various ways of meditation that worked a little bit or not at all but I still did them um, you know this f- for i was like the the meditation that I teach today Vedic meditation i was i'd been meditating daily for over twenty years before I learned that um, and it and and all of that is not that that meditation didn't do anything for me but it Uh, those other forms of meditation didn't really pay off until I had the experience that I had with Vedic meditation, where I actually was able to have the experience of transcendence, have the experience of experiencing... Myself, life, consciousness is something other than my uh, head filled with thoughts, and my opinions and my ideas of myself or the world or you. You know, to have that transcendent experience of source of of uh, consciousness itself. Once I had that, then mindfulness, uh, vipassana, you know, sitting and observing your thoughts, all those things. Then, then they made more sense because I knew that I wasn't trying to do something with all of that. Rather I was, those are all practices of not doing anything with all Mm -hmm. of that. But I had to have the experience of knowing myself as that place of not doing before any of that made sense. I I just listened to Dan Harris was talking about, uh, you know, the use of, of plant medicine, uh, And, you know, he was making the point that until he had the experience with, I don't know if it was psilocybin or ayahuasca or what it was, but until he had that experience of pure freedom, he didn't know what meditation was about. Once he had that, then he knew what meditation was about. And I had kind of the same experience with transcendence, uh, which I learned 20 years ago. Like 20 and a half years ago, something like that.
0: What is it about Vedic meditation, though, do you think that is different or unlocked that feeling for you? Because when you, the analogy of like a psychedelic peak experience, it makes a lot of sense to me. Like, I also felt that a few of those experiences sort of gave me a felt experience and showed me a, a possibility. Then other things made a lot more sense, like books and concepts. I was like, oh, okay.
1: Well, well, the the meditation I was doing before Vedic meditation was uh, there were different ways that I was trying to control the mind, control the way I was using the mind, controlling where I was placing my attention, controlling the what I was doing with my attention, um, and but it was all the mind, all the intellect vedic meditation allowed me to have the experience of what i am that is other than the intellect and it was like there was a book uh called uh by franklin merrill wolf and he wrote two books uh, that were seminal for me one of them was uh, the philosophy of consciousness without an object and that's what the transcendent is it's There's consciousness here, but there are no thoughts, or the thoughts are very subtle and slight. There's consciousness here, but it's not consciousness of I am a body, it's simply the I am. And that I am is, you know, it's variously described as the ground state or the witness self. It's it's that thing that I know was there when I was six years old, looking out at my family, and when I was twenty-five years old, hitchhiking around the country, and when I was, you know, forty years old, whatever I was doing then, and when I was forty-eight years old, and I learned this practice of Vedic meditation. It's that, mm. oh, that's that is actually it's not just a a thing that happens here and there where I get to see beyond the veils. It's actually the truth of me. And instead of seeing beyond the veils, I am that thing that is beyond the veils. Right. And once I have that experience, even if I have it and then I'm no longer in it, I know it's there and I know it's not somewhere other than where I am. I, I know it's it's in 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 instead it's exactly where I am. And what I realized after years of doing this meditation is that at that moment when I learned Vedic meditation, I stopped being a seeker, but I became even more of a student Mm. because I was no longer looking for the truth because there is no objective truth out there that is greater than the subjective truth of I am. Once I know that subjective truth of I am as something that is felt that is other than uh, a theory. Then, then the then it, everything can be looked at through that lens, like, um, like we look at what's going on in the world. How can how can there be a God if all of this is going on in the world? Well, this is the outpicturing of the ego. It's very clear. This these are people who are you know these are the behaviors of the ego. And well, what if I? Uh, and or those thoughts in my head that tell me i'm not worthy of life or of happiness or of love well wait a second if if consciousness is the truth of me and consciousness is the truth of life and there's no separation between me and you between me and anything how can these thoughts of and this aspect of that oneness isn't worthy of life how can that be possibly be true mm-hmm. it can't you know so from that one experience then all else can be extrapolated from it. All else can blossom from the planting of that seed. And then as you go forward, you become more and more grounded in that underlying truth. Rather than simply hitting it here and there, you start, you become grounded in it so that when you're grounded in it, then your system can do whatever it does. You can go through fear, terror, anguish. Sorrow, pain, joy, you're still there. And like we said just before we started, you know, how are you doing? I said, well, it depends on what paradigm you're using to ask that question. Mm-hmm. And from the paradigm of spirit, I, I'm always doing fantastically well. From the paradigm of, of uh, emotionality or vulnerability, the, you know, there's different days with different feelings, you know, but I'm always really doing well. So. I, that was a really long answer that to great. your question.
0: Oh, I love it. Uh, would you say then, like the Vedic experience that for you was more of an uncovering and unveiling versus an arrival? Yeah. Like it's not a reaching, it's, it's the, more of a fog goes away. It's like, ah, what is, is.
1: Yeah, it's a settling down to the, the, the place of pure being. Um, you know the 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 Beatles song "Across the Universe." Uh, you know, Lennon wrote that after learning transcendental meditation, and it's uh, you know the chorus is "Jai Guru Deva," nothing's going to change my world. And I was like, what does that mean? Nothing's going to change my <laughs> world, and it's but it's the no thing, that place of no thingness, that place of pure being. Yeah. That's what changes my world. And you know, when I teach people meditation, I I I tell them, if you do this twice a day for a year, your experience of life will be absolutely transformed by that one year of practice. And I say that very specifically your experience of life, because your life may look exactly the same. It can't possibly after a year, but it can, it can seem as if not much has changed from the outside, but your experience of what is will have changed. Absolutely. Because of the experience twice daily of uh, allowing yourself to settle into that place or some, uh, some exp- some partial experience of that place, and the consequent rolling out of your system of all these stresses that keep us from having that experience. Because, you know, that one of the metaphors that is used to describe consciousness from the Vedic perspective is uh, the ocean, that there is an ocean of pure being, and then there are waves upon that ocean. Mm-hmm. And that Meditation, Vedic meditation, allows that wave of activity to de-excite so that we can start to feel that ocean that is underneath. There's no place at which ocean ceases being ocean and becomes wave. It's ocean all the way up and all the way down. And yet, you and I are experiencing ourselves as separate and different and non-oceanic at the moment. We're individuality. But what keeps us from being able to experience ourselves as ocean, even as we're having the wave experience, are these traumas and stresses and uh, these marks left on us by by life and by our, you know, by the survival experiences that we've had and the emotional experiences that we've had. And meditation allows those trapped energies to roll out of us so that we become more and more clear channels for that underlying feeling of the truth of us, that underlying feeling of pure being.
0: I was... Uh, talking to Bob Thurman, the Buddhist scholar, and he had this really great way of <clears throat> translating. Uh, in, in, I guess, in, in I don't know, Tibetan Sanskrit, w- w- the word mindfulness. He thought a better way to translate that is remembering. Like, and I was uh, like, that's oh, fascinating. Remembering and, uh, that truth, uh, that underlying just truth. the word is more like remembering is a better. He thinks translation, like literally and wow uh, and i and that kind of blew my mind cuz it's sort of like remembering you're the ocean right or as opposed to i see the ocean i i am mindful of it no it's like yeah. remembering what is what oh my you know, god i, I
1: love that thank you that's beautiful yeah he's, and it's he's just, something uh, isn't he bob
0: thurman He's oh a my trip. God. he's a trip because he's kind of like this big joyful um I don't mean this in a pejorative way, like a muppet, you know, in a good way. Like he's just pos- he's just a bound of energy. You just want to be around it, and it's wow. fun. Uh-huh. Uh, and we got to the end of the conversation, and I said, uh, "Are you hopeful?" Uh, and he and he put his head down. And he says, "I'm miserable." I said, "You're miserable." He says, "Yeah." He's like, you know, all the things going on in the world, and he says, "I talk myself into joy." I talk myself into joy, but I was like, it was so vulnerable to just give a, a glimmer of that humanity Wow, of like the misery. And I'm like, of all the people, I'm like, sure don't seem miserable from the outside. And you have so much skill and knowledge and experience and practice. Um, but it just, that was a gift in itself of just sharing, like, even if he is joyful, there's, you can have these mixtures of feelings all at once. Like experiencing the misery of it all well, while and,
1: being and, in the ocean. And yes, and, and and knowing that it it's all a part of it and that just because uh, <clears throat> life is worth living does not mean that life is going to go on much longer than than mm. you know, the next year or so uh, uh, because of everything we've done to every aspect of of life here on the planet. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it just
0: is this grand play of contradictions to be conscious to be alive like you're saying like the world will never not be tumultuous if anything it'll probably just get more tumultuous and yet like when i ask you how you're doing it's like well that always is there like the wind is creating waves so to speak or whatever it is and the ocean is the ocean yeah that's life (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, well, and,
1: and and Pema children uh, says the uh, uh you are the sky all the rest of this is just the weather right exactly but,
0: and and I and for me at least some of those peak experiences that I've had allow me to believe that and understand that and still you know, the last the last couple of days ago, I got back and I was trying to get ready for this tour and it's really stressful. And I was just like, I'm at a nine. I'm at a, I'm way, I'm just, oh my God. I'm so feeling so stressed. And I can see it, but it's, it's, I, I can't stop it. At the same time, I have to let mm. that fire, like in a way it has to burn. I guess there's things I can do to not throw gas on the fire. But sometimes I don't always feel like, I'm the director of this play as much as I'd like to be. Sometimes I feel like at best I'm like a gaffer or like a, you know, assistant lighting designer. I I
1: I I I feel your pain, man. <laughs> and I I'm not unique. <laughs> well, you're absolutely unique and uh and we have a lot of shared experience. The anxieties are really important. Uh, thing to talk about, and i I cannot tell you how many people I know who just take anxiety as a given myself included up until you know a few years ago, I was in anxiety all literally all the time, uh and just there were times when it was lessened slightly um, but almost all the time I would be in anxiety I, definitely every time I had to engage with anyone or, or anything other than my own small world. And uh I think it it has to do for for me it, it it has to do with a couple of different things. And one of the biggest things that it had to do with for me was, you know, I, I think we we get these We have these belief systems that have been built in from when we were kids that if we let ourselves feel how much rage there is or how much terror there is or how much sorrow there is, those are the big ones for me. Um, I'll die. Mm. And so the anxiety is like keeping myself up from those feelings. Mm. You know, like if I let myself fall into the sorrow, then it's endless and, and it will it will drown me. Some there's some whether I know I have that uh, uh, belief system or not, it's in there, and so then the anxiety is just keeping myself up out of it. Also, wanting to make sure that I'm not seen in the world the way I see myself. So, uh, like if I like I had this rage in me that when it, when this therapist walked me up to the edge of it and had me look at it, it was like. That is so ugly, mm-hmm. I would never ever have been able to look at that and own that myself without thinking that I was just worthy of uh, like death and it, it, you know, but once I saw it and it then was allowed to flow out of me by unlocking it, then it was like yep yeah, that was that was in there, and now that it's gone, then I, there's no longer the anxiety of keeping myself from you know, uh, from feeling it, from owning it, from, from knowing that it's there.
0: That's an interesting idea. Like Anxiety is like a, a symptom of trying to keep things in check.
1: It, it, yeah, of try, yeah, trying to uh, keep something interior in check. It's not about controlling the world out here other than through uh, the way it sees me in some fashion, but it's about controlling the world in here so that, uh, so, so that I don't see myself in that way. I think something that's part of it. Mm. I know that's a big part of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, on one level, I feel like when feelings of anxiety come up and let's say it's, um, I don't know, it, it could manifest as, as anger at a situation or, negativity or uh maybe it's important just to kind of let that feeling fully flourish into in in some space just like let that just express it you know and just maybe amp you know amplify almost like you're acting it's like just let that make it bigger you know
1: (laughs) you know what this is the this is what david hawkins recommends in uh his book letting go it was the final book that he published before he passed and he talks about what we do with feelings. He was a psychiatrist and uh, probably enlightened um, and you know that expression just teaches us to have more of it, and repression m- makes it you know uh, come up somewhere else, and suppression makes us you know sick and, and or I have those two switched around um, and ignorance you know will will make us uh, uh, live only partially, but that, he says, the problem is not that you're angry, the problem is that you're not angry enough. So you let yourself have the anger, and I'm not sure, I can't remember how he says it, but how I have come to know it is, like, feel the sensation of the anger inside of me and pay no attention at all to the story that comes along with it. Because ah. if I get angry, I know who caused the anger, and it's either my father, or you owe me money, or you disrespected me. That maybe is a part of it, but the anger that lives inside of us can't possibly be about that. It's just—it's a physical sensation that wants to move through the body, so that the body can be free of it. It's anger and fear are, are survival. The part of our survival mechanism and they were triggered at some point and they got locked in. Right. And it wants to be expressed. It, like it, it's an energy. It's like it's a wave is coming,
0: it wants to just get out. And it, it probably it, that's it that. wants
1: it wants to be it wants the freedom of moving through. And I say that specifically rather than expression because it's not that I have to scream into a pillow, though sometimes I might. It's not that I have to confront my my father, dead or alive those Those would be expressions of it, but it's that that energy wants to move through the body so that the system can once again be free and and uh pliant and viable and able to just naturally have experiences and allow those expressions to move through us um but yeah, well, absolutely
0: it seems I'm sure some people listening are thinking like well isn't there a fine line between?" sort of destructive allowing it to flow versus positive and what is the process that makes it one or the other Um,
1: for me it's getting okay let's say it's let's say anger uh uh, is is what we're talking about because that's one that can be destructive Mm -hmm. so let's say i i notice that i'm angry because i start I'm having an uncomfortable feeling, and I, then I start thinking about somebody or something or some experience. So it's, it's like I—you ever hear the, 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 the saying, stop, drop, and roll? Like if you sure. catch on fire, that's what you're supposed to do. So yeah. the, the stop, drop, and roll of this is I stop and say, okay, this is some—whatever it was triggered by, this is some ancient stress that's being released in me. So, I take a breath and feel myself in my body, and then ask myself, where is the sensation in the body? And I'm not saying, where is the anger in the body? What's the sensation? And the sensation will be like maybe a tightness in the throat and a, a roiling in the gut. Sometimes it feels like black snakes swimming around in there. But see, these are sensations, they're not feelings. Because feeling immediately triggers a story, and I'm getting in touch with the sensation, so I stay out of the story that my intellect wants to tell me. And then, once I get grounded in the body and the sensations in the body, and feel my feet on the floor and my butt in the chair, then I just literally come to my senses. Can I feel my feet on the floor? Can I taste the the soda that I'm drinking? Can I smell the incense that was burned in this room earlier? Can I hear the sound of my voice and the creak of the chair and the traffic outside and 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 my dog tapping along in the next room and 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 can I see my surroundings? You know, the the play of shadow and light and form and color and a little bit of movement. I just grounded myself in my body and then in my five senses. And in that place, then, rather than it being anger that has to be expressed in a certain way, it becomes part of the tapestry of the energy flow of a moment. And it can move through me without it being destructive for me or anyone else, because the anger is not destructive. The expression of it as if it belongs to someone else is what can be destructive,
0: So are you talking about kind of grounding yourself to make the story a bit wider? It's like, I am here in this moment, you know, I'm not just in this story in my head. Is that like diffusing it uh, in a way?
1: uh, Well, yes. And it, it is diffusing it, but if, see, and this is one of the things that mindfulness means to me is like to, to, to know that I am having, I am consciousness having a, nervous system experience. You know, and the anger is part of my nervous system experience that got locked up somewhere. So it's not if I say if if I even say I'm expanding the story, yes, that's part of it. But even that is still story. Like it's anger about this guy and it's anger about the just the 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 world itself and anger about it may be any or all of those things but it doesn't do me any good in the moment to know what it's about or where it came from rather to get present to the sensations of it and then grounded in my world because you know if you look at it from the tantric perspective Consciousness is the underlying truth of life, and this whole world is the fabric of that consciousness woven into a tapestry that's ever-growing, ever-expanding, ever-moving. And tantra actually means, in one translation, uh, a weaving, a weaving together like a tapestry. So Mm. from that perspective, all of this is just energy, and the anger is just one flavor of the energy that is made up that this whole experience is made up of, and it 's only from my limited experience of individuality with a history that that anger can be assigned to anyone or anything if i let 's say let 's say my anger uh, you know I, I, clearly i 've brought up my father a couple of times let 's say I believe my anger comes from my relationship with my father, and some of it was from that but if i see my life as having been extant before this body comes into existence and after this body falls away then that's just part of the play and display of this expression it's not it's not a truth it's not the truth it's just it's it's just the flavor of it in this lifetime in this moment and but it doesn't belong to him. Let's say I chose it. Let's say I chose to have him as a father so I could have that experience with him. Now I'm finally at the place where I'm able to have the freedom of those feelings so I can let them be here and just let them be a part of this experience. They're not going to go anywhere. They're just It's just energy moving. Energy can't be created or destroyed. The problem is when I have it locked away as if it's wrong, as if it 's bad, as if i 'll die if I express it, as if um, i 'll die if I uh, uh, recognize some truth about my relationship with that person you know it 's the it 's the locking away of that, whereas spiritual work to me is all uh, not all but a lot about finding the freedom to allow life to experience itself through me, which mm. involves anger, which involves joy, which involves. You know, bliss, which involves uh, sorrow, which involves all those experiences. So, what I do you think
0: the the glue is, though, that that holds together your ability to let that flow through you, to let life flow through you, without
1: being too caught up in it, gr- being grounded in uh, that underlying truth of of consciousness, and doing the work on a daily basis to uh, allow that. To be uh, alive in us as we're having all of our experiences, as I'm having this experience with you, knowing that this is consciousness speaking to consciousness. And that, you know, like I, when we started this conversation, I had no idea we were going to go where we are, but this is where we are. And it, it, it's a fine place to be. And clearly it's serving some purpose, but it's not my business you know it's the business of consciousness and it's my business to make myself as free and full and alive as an expression of consciousness as i can be and then engage in the world and and see what happens from there because from another perspective you know we labor under the illusion that we're supposed to know how this is meant to go yet i've never been this age speaking to you at your age at this time of in the world, how could we possibly know how it's supposed to go? Mm. It's an adventure. How do we engage in the adventure? By being as free and full and alive as we can be and knowing that we're here for a reason. And what is that reason? According to the truth of consciousness and the truth of the Veda, that reason is to enliven consciousness in each other, to uplift each other, to shine the light of consciousness from one of us to the other of us and back and forth you know, together, and to see where that goes. Because from the perspective of consciousness, consciousness came into this, expressed itself as this world by... Allowing itself to forget that it was just one thing, and it did that in order to have the joyful experience of remembering the truth of itself. Much like uh, Bob Thurman said, so when consciousness comes together with consciousness and says, "Hello, I, I know you. You're you're me over there. Namaste." That's that's the that's the reason for existence, and that at some point. The whole of consciousness remembers its oneness with itself and the singularity occurs and it all collapses and then it starts back around. But the, the play and display of that joyful experience of consciousness is is what we're meant to be engaged in and to, to what degree on a daily basis in a given situation am I able to let myself be a part of that.
0: And <laughs> I suppose... You know this word practiced or some form of ritual whatever it is for you there their methods of remembering uh, or, you know from day to day because without something something uh, some practice it could be exercise it could be music creativity meditation or whatever it is it allows you to remember it, because that does seem to be a piece of the pie here that it it, it takes a kind of ongoing process it is an endless blossoming it's it's not an arrival it's not even a discovery as much as like an ongoing uh falling back into in a way
1: i i I, it's 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 a a point well taken and it's absolutely the truth that i you know it it requires not constant self-consciousness but constant a repeated awareness of uh, our self-assessment. Um, uh, and uh, whenever I think I've got it, I know I'm in trouble. Uh, that's one <laughs> thing. Um, and for me, I have found it necessary to listen to or read something on a daily basis that reminds me of these eternal truths and uh, that allows me some small measure of alignment with something other than my small needs. And so that's, that's essential. And then... To practice, and here's where, here's where practice of mindfulness is so valuable to me. And, and I haven't done a formal study of mindfulness, so this may not... <laughs> the, the, the mindful experts might, might uh, disabuse me of the notion that that's what I'm practicing here. But noticing constantly to what degree I'm engaged with the world and to what degree I'm engaged with my thinking about the world to what degree am I listening to you and to what degree am I listening to my thoughts about you or my thoughts about your thoughts about me? Mm -hmm. And to the extent that I'm having thoughts about what you're thinking about what I'm saying or thoughts about what I'm going to say as soon as you stop talking, to that extent, I'm not engaged with you and I'm keeping myself out of life and I'm keeping us from having the experience we could have with each other. So I just... I make it a just a, a practice to let go and come back and let go and come back and let go and come back and listen to the world as fully as possible whenever it occurs to me that I'm not.
0: I think that sums it up. I mean, let go, come back, and listen to the world. Is What more is there?
1: <laughs> that, that's, yeah, we, we should make t-shirts. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah. and So um, you have uh, a podcast, and I believe uh, you have a daily uh, email that goes out. You have have meditations out there. Uh, You're an artist as well. So you have a lot of different things. Uh, Do you feel – what's the – Is this all because it's just expressions from you that just naturally, like, I wanted to do this and I don't want to stop what wants to come out? Or is there some kind of thought process behind the diaspora of your
1: creativity? There's no overarching thought process. (laughs) There's, I was so locked down and locked away for so long and I just struggling to find a way to be present and to express and I you know the first place I really found that capacity to express was in acting and uh, I was able to it mattered enough to me to dig down deeply into the the places of locked away feelings um, and so that was my first the beginnings of my tasting freedom and but then what I was expressing was just you know I, I played a lot of really dark characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as, you know, as you start allowing that stuff to come up, then you have to find psychological and spiritual ways of making sense of those places. And so then I, you know, and writing has always been a part of that for me, um, making sense of my own experience and then, and studying, uh, People that have gone before me and writing about what they say that makes sense to me and finding the way that it processes through me so uh, and then meditation was such a vital part of me really getting grounded on in what life is meant to be, so you know these things just sort of started weaving together and you know, as an actor, that's still the thing that turns me on more than anything else. I I consistently get to the place where I go like, yeah, I don't really need to act anymore. I've had those experiences. And then I get a job and I go like, <laughs> man, I love this, you know, because it just, it just, I, I find just freedom and grace and, and delight there because it's like, what's going to come out next? And just let's watch, you know, and, and let's, let's really challenge everyone and see where it goes. You know, that's, man that's that's amazing that you get a you know you get an opportunity to do that, but even the really successful actors only work you know part of the year mm-hmm. so you know then i and I became a teacher because my meditation teacher told me to become a teacher, and I said, No man, I want to be an actor, and he said, You already know too much you know you you should learn what it is you're actually talking about, so I became that, and you know started doing both and And then I, you know, and and writing along with it and and offering this daily email, just as an experiment. I did it for a year, and that was 12 years ago, you know, and I'm (laughs) still doing it. That's so Um, wild. You know, and that turned into a book, which turned into a podcast. And and then along the way, um, I, you know, I just... uh, for all the time that I was locked away in myself, uh, everything was so intellectualized that at a certain point I started uh, painting and, and taking photographs because I wanted to find a way of expression that was other than words. I wanted to go, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. and so then I ended up, you know, stumbling across this uh, old technique of tintype uh, uh, photography. And so I, I, you know, this from 1852 um, so I you know, that's I have a studio here and I do this thing where it's it's about it's like alchemy. You mix all these chemicals together and then make a picture and, and there's about a thousand different ways of screwing it up and I, I go through all of them and it's Sounds just like life. Yeah, it's much like life, except it, it doesn't it, it, it it's not quite as it's not quite as onerous when you just destroy a plate, you know. So so yeah, so they all just keep you And, you know, and, uh, you know I, I just, I'm just now actually looking at everything and going like, okay, where does this all fit? And I, I don't, I'm not going to, I don't know if I'll come up with an idea about that, but I'm, you know, kind of asking what, where does it all fit and what do I want to do with it? And, you know, where does it go from here? And I, maybe that's a question that I should have been asking myself a long time ago, but I was i've been too busy just doing <laughs>
0: well at the end of the day it's just consciousness expressing itself so i mean it'd be amazing if like you die and you're a soul and you're like oh man i broke that plate ah, oh well <laughs> let's let's you're, do it again <laughs> you're, you're not gonna care that's absolutely right <laughs> kind of like when you break a plate there's a moment of like oh bummer and you're like eh, yeah, it's just a plate, plate. i mean yeah
1: <laughs> absolutely yeah,
0: that's great well how can folks
1: dive into all this stuff dot or... uh okay. and uh there's uh and embracing bliss is the podcast and the book available where podcasts and books are available um and uh uh it's a it, it's the name of those things and it's a, a good idea on a daily basis to think about embracing so why not we
0: will uh put that in the show notes so people can just go down there and and click on it
1: beautiful and uh
0: thank you for passing the bliss back and forth it's it's great to finally be able to connect and thank you again for your patience in doing so
1: what a what a what a pleasure to get to meet you man thanks for having me
0: yeah yeah i hope we can do it again sometime okay thanks so much jeff for coming on the show really a joy to meet you and to talk and i look forward to doing it again soon this song that you're hearing in the background is called Four Senses, and it's from the album Love Bomb, and it features a, s- a sample of my grandmother when she was in her 90s and lamenting that she couldn't hear music anymore. And this is a song that I've been playing around with playing in this tour, and I've done this with a lot of... A lo- I'm trying to play a lot of things I've never played before, or sort of use them as a starting place to improvise and riff off them, so... If you want to come to the tour, it's happening now, November 1st through 20th in the uh, western mountain and coast of the United States, eastforest.org for tickets. Thank you so much for all the support for everyone out there who has bought a ticket, and I can't wait to see you in these in these cities as we're rolling through town. All right, you guys keep walking your walk. Don't take any shit, but if you do, you know what to do. Do it with grace.